Today we're going to just be talking in general about relationships. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 9 through 10. That's where our focus is going to be. We're going to look through the rest of the chapter. But Romans chapter 12 verse 9 through 10. And it says this. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that your word would come alive, that it would speak clearly and concisely to our hearts. And as a result of that, our lives would be changed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a follower of Jesus Christ, your relationship with him is going to have a dramatic, a life-changing impact upon every single other relationship that you have. Do you understand that? Let me say that again, because I really think that's important. As a follower of Jesus Christ, your relationship with him, it's going to touch, it's going to transform every other relationship that you have. It's impossible to draw near to God It's impossible to grow in discipleship and as a follower of Jesus without having that impact how you relate to your wife, how you relate to your husband, how you relate to your kids, how you relate to those in authority, how you relate to those who are under your authority. Your relationship with Jesus, when it's healthy, when it's growing, is going to impact everything else. You may have entered into that relationship with your own personal baggage, Maybe you grew up in a dysfunctional home. You may have experienced rejection or abuse. You may have wrong thinking patterns. You may have an unhealthy self-image that causes you to sabotage relationships. But the closer you follow Jesus, the more whole you will become. And the more whole you become, the more healthy you become the more whole and healthy your relationships are going to be. The Bible gives us patterns to follow. If we would look at the scripture, if you would really understand this point, that when we look at scripture, scripture teaches us. Commands are oftentimes simply instructions that will cause us to be successful in our relationship with God, in our relationship with society, in our relationship with our family, and our relationship with our neighbors, the commands that the scripture give us are really so many times about creating and establishing and maintaining healthy relationships. If we follow God's instruction, his instruction is going to produce wholeness in us. It's going to produce soundness. This will produce, his instructions will produce healthy interpersonal relationships If you will follow God's instructions, it's going to produce a better marriage for you. It's going to produce healthier families. It's going to produce a healthier church. It's going to produce healthy and productive communities. Ultimately, it produces healthy and productive societies. These patterns will even produce healthy and prosperous nations if they are followed. Do you realize this? That when the gospel comes into an area. You pick a country or a people who have not heard the gospel. 
And whenever the gospel comes to them, what you will find is it not only changes people spiritually, but sociologically, it makes vast changes in a culture when the gospel comes. Go to a third world nation where people have embraced the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will see that before long, things begin to change there. The moral climate begins to change. Crime goes down. Personal responsibility and personal behaviors change. Whenever the gospel comes into a community, the needs of people are met. When the gospel comes, families become more stable. Whenever the gospel comes to a nation or to a people, their education and their health systems improve. When the gospel comes, people become more upwardly mobile. They move out of poverty and they become more productive workers. They start their own business. Jesus impacts every part of society, not just your spiritual relationship. And if you look around the world, you will see that again and again, that Jesus impacts everything. I'd be a little bit more excited than that. But if we're going to have whole and healthy relationships, then we need to be whole and healthy people, individuals. Do you know what an integer is? It's a, an integer is a whole number. It's not fragmented. And that's where we get the word for integrity. God wants to bring wholeness. He wants to bring soundness. He wants to bring integrity to our relationships. I'm sure that you would agree with me that God wants to bring wholeness to our relationships and health. And here's the question I have for you. Why is it difficult to have healthy, God-honoring relationships? In fact, in our society today, why is it that we see so few healthy, God-honoring relationships? Well, I believe that can be traced back to the fall, to Adam and Eve. Whenever sin came into the world, mankind, there's brokenness. You know, we come into relationship as broken people. Whenever we come into a relationship, whether it be on our job, whether it be in friendships, whether it be in marriage, we come into relationships as broken people. We bring with us our fears, our insecurities. We bring feelings of inadequacy, jealousy. We bring our past experiences. We bring our preferences We bring our worldview, our perspective. We bring our way of seeing things. We bring our expectations. And those are the good points. Then we also bring our natural propensity towards sin and sinfulness. We bring our natural self-centeredness. Does anybody have to teach your children to be selfish? No, it just seems to come natural to us. We bring this self-preservation, a tendency that we have that we have to think that we are right. We bring a natural resistance to change. Then we come into relationship with others, and they bring their list as well. And we wonder why it's a struggle sometimes to make it work. You ever notice, like, we'll use, for example, a marriage. You have some young lady who comes, and she brings all of her past. She brings her perspectives She brings her brokenness, her insecurities, her fears. What does she think when she sees that handsome guy? 
She thinks in her mind, he is going to meet all of these needs that I have. That's the answer. I need a good man or I need a good woman. That will be the answer. And what happens? They come together and they're oftentimes really disillusioned. Because you think, well, I come and I have all these needs and surely this person will meet those needs. Surely they will understand. If he really loved me, he would know. He would understand. He would care. Somehow that if you bring two broken pieces together, that somehow now you have a hole. You don't. You don't have a hole. You have a bigger mess. You got a more complicated mess. That's not the solution to everything. You know what I mean? It's almost like two kids who have their toys and they have like all those Lego toys. And they had it together and there's pieces missing or a puzzle. And maybe let's say a puzzle, two 5,000 piece puzzles. And you bring them together and you say, well, I'm missing a few pieces. Surely you have the answer to this piece that I'm missing. And you bring them together. It just makes it more complicated. We wonder why is it a struggle to make things work? Well, friends, because there is a brokenness that each of us bring. There's perspectives. There's expectations. There's thought patterns that you and I bring to a relationship. And that other person's bringing theirs. Whether it's a marriage, a friendship, a business relationship, we bring our brokenness to one another. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it begins with these words. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. According to scripture, we are to offer our lives as living sacrifices. And the reality of it is, is this is what worship is. This is our spiritual act of worship. This is worship. That when we offer our whole self to God, worship is more than raising our hands. It's more than dancing a little bit or swaying. It's more than closing your eyes and feeling goose pimples on your back. It says that we're to offer our lives as living sacrifices. And it says this is your reasonable, some versions would say, this is your reasonable act of of service. Many people feel that offering God their whole self is asking too much. Remember the story of the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and Jesus said, man, you're doing really great. There's only one thing else I need from you. I want you to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Then come follow me. And the Bible says that the man went away sad. Why was he sad? Because that was something that he felt was an unreasonable expectation of Christ. Now, it's going to be hard to have the type of relationships that God wants you to have. It's going to be hard to have the healthy, life-giving relationships that God designed you and I for if we are not completely and totally surrendering ourselves to the Lord. It's just really difficult. You see, when our relationship with God is not in the place that it should be, 
it's hard for it not to affect every other relationship that we have. If we are not becoming more and more Christ-like, it's going to be really difficult. If you are not becoming more and more Christ-like, you're going to become more and more aggravated with the people around you. You're going to be more and more aware. You're going to be becoming more and more frustrated and aggravated and annoyed with the people around you. You're just like, my God, how did you put me among so many idiots? What do I attract idiots? Do I just attract rude people, selfish people? See, the less you allow God to change you, the more you'll recognize the faults in everybody else. And the more frustrated you will become with that. May I suggest to you that relationships, the relationships that we have will often be a barometer that God uses to show us areas of our lives that we're struggling to surrender to him. And in particular, the important relationships of our lives will be a barometer that show us maybe some places that we need to yield to God. According to scripture, whenever we allow God to transform us and allow him to change us, then we'll begin to know his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We often think that Romans chapter 12 is a chapter about the ministry gifts. If I would be teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, one of the things that I would teach on, I'd always pull out Romans chapter 12 and talk about how God has given each one of us gifts. But if you look at Romans chapter 12, it really is a chapter that talks a lot about relationships. As I said, so much of the commands in scriptures What are they? They're guidelines to have healthy relationships. The Ten Commandments, what are they? They're guidelines to how to live in such a way that we'll have healthy relationships with God, with society, and with yourself. And so chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 tells us this. It tells us don't be arrogant because we were designed to need one another. If I'm arrogant... It's going to make it hard for me to function properly in the body of Christ. It's going to make it hard for me to get along with other members of the body that I desperately need. See, because Satan wants you to feel like this. Satan wants you to think that you can be a Christian and you don't need anybody else. He wants you to think that, I'll tell you what, your big toe can still be a toe. But if we chop it off with an axe, it does not stop being a toe, but it doesn't function very well. You ever notice that? So this idea that as a member of the body of Christ that we don't need one another, this portion of scripture tells us that we desperately need one another. We depend upon one another. We're interrelated and others depend upon us. Verses three through eight says this, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many parts, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, 
Let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Verse 9 says this. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. What's the next word say? Cling. Cling means hang on to. It means don't let go of. It means grasp a hold of, wrap yourself around it, cling to what is good. Verse 10 says that we are to be devoted to one another in brotherly love and to honor one another above yourself. So, wait a minute. So far, we've said this. As a follower of Jesus, my relationship with him, when it's healthy, when it's growing, is going to impact every other relationship that I have. And when I'm seeking him and drawing near to him and allowing his life to flow through me, I'm going to be a more healthy person. I'm going to be a more whole person. There's not going to be as big of a difference between what I say and what I actually do, okay? Or what I say I believe and how I act. We see that. We've said also so far that we come into relationships and we come because of the fall, we come with our own brokenness. All of us have it. It's funny how we try to hide it. We don't want anybody to see our insecurities, our fears. You'll see beautiful women or handsome men who feel like they're ugly. You'll see smart people who feel like they're dumb. You see these people who battle with things like feelings of inadequacy. And everybody else looks at them and is like, are you kidding? But all of us come with this brokenness. We come with our past. Maybe there was some things, things that people said or things that people have done in our lives and it's hurt us more than what we like to recognize or we like to admit. But somehow the sin of this world has impacted us even as born-again believers. The offenses of others has left an impression upon us. So we come into relationship with other people and it's hard for some of you to trust. Not because of this new person, but because of the things that happened in your past. We carry that stuff. It just makes it, it makes it difficult. So we find that, it's, that we carry those things with us. And now we're looking at this, the scripture says, it says that we need one another, that we can't be arrogant and prideful because we were created for relationship. We desperately need one another. We're interdependent upon one another. I need you and you need me. You say, no, I don't need anybody. My friend, you're mistaken. God designed us to need others. And that's okay. That's the way life is supposed to function. And now we come to this point where it says that we're to be devoted to one another in brotherly love and honor one another above ourselves. Now, I feel that there's, this is a point that we're coming to. And sometimes whenever I prepare my messages, I prepare my messages at my house, because I can focus more there while the kids are at school. I have my study there. And, um, and sometimes I'll be like, ooh, oh, yeah. You know, I was, I'm, I'm typing on my laptop, and I'm typing stuff, and I'll get this, like, like Holy Ghost shiver or something. Oh, that's good. I want to share that with them. That's one of the things that happened to me this week. I think it's something really important for you. And maybe it's just one person in this place. I want you to know something. God cares about the individual. If God has to redirect this service and redirect the messages, if God has to stop everything, Jesus stopped everything he was doing and would stop and minister to a blind man. 
he would leave the crowds and go to that one. And, and I believe that maybe this is just for one person today. But the Holy Spirit will be faithful to speak specifically to you. Here's what I'm sensing. This might be where the problem lies. That we're to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. You say, okay, I'll love you like my brother. I'll love you like my sister. I'll love you like my father or mother. Okay, I can do that. It says we're to be devoted to one another. And what it means is family affection. So one of the weights that people carry is I'll love you like I love my brother. I can do that. Oh, by the way, I haven't talked to my brother in 10 years. Oh, by the way, I don't talk to my mom. I don't have anything to do with her. I don't know if we realize how much those relationships that are estranged affect our other relationships. I believe that in the spirit, there's a connection between the dysfunction in families of origin and other relationships. It's amazing when we people begin dealing with the root issues, how free we can become. Oftentimes what people want to do is we want to deal with the surface issues. We want to deal with the part that just keeps growing up and we keep cutting off the leaves, but we never really get to the root issue. We never really deal with what the real problem is. And until we start dealing with the real problem, you will continue to deal with the results of that. But if we can learn to deal with the root issues, that's when freedom starts coming in your life. Now, what I'd like to encourage you to do is, and it may not be applied to this, but in your life, the areas where you're struggling with, ask God to reveal to you, God, what is the root issue here? What's the, what, not just what I see, not just what other people see, but God, what's the real problem going on in my life? What's the real issues happening? Verse 18 of chapter 12 says, it says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit will put his finger on one specific relationship. Perhaps you have animosity against a parent, a relative, or a loved one, and you do not realize how that is negatively impacting every other relationship that you have. Do you ever notice this? I'm going to just confess my sins, and will pray for me, and that I can find healing. One of my faults is there's times where I'm carrying weights or pressures of responsibilities from here. Maybe I have a hassle going on, and you know I go home, and you know what a lot of times I get taken out at. It's taken out at home. I'm probably not the only person who does that. I wish I wasn't. But you ever notice that? You're just having a horrible time at work. And then when you come home, someone at work just treated you bad or, or something difficult happened at work. You're stressed out. You're having problems there. And you come home and you take it out on the people who are closest to you. You're sure. No, it's not your fault. That's what we want to say. No, it's because they did this or they did that. But in reality, when you really stop and think about it, the reason why you're so short, the reason why you're so impatient is because you've got these other issues somewhere else that are weighing on you. Does that make sense to anybody? But we come home and we take it out on our wife or we take it out on our kids or we take it out on our family or the dog or the neighbor or the cashier at Walmart. We take it out on them and that's not where the problem lies. There's other issues that we need to deal with. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that when you do your part to bring healing to that relationship, 
you will find other relationships improving as well. Let me be specific. I just sense as I was praying, I just feel like this. I feel like there may be some people, you're estranged in relationship. It may be go away back. There's an estranged relationship, a difficulty somewhere in the people who are important to you. And in that place, that has an impact on every other relationship that you have. You think that it's a, a marriage issue. You think it's a marriage issue. You think it's a thing with your kids or you think it's something with somebody else. And it's not that. It's not that. The problem is, the problem is, is sometimes these deeper things that go back. And you can blame your husband and you can blame your kids and you can blame your wife and you can blame the babysitter and you can blame a whole bunch of other people. But even if they're out of the way, you're still angry. You're still upset. You're still frustrated. And you can't figure out why. And this is what I think. I just really believe with all my heart that God wants to identify, at least for one person, a relationship like that. And he wants to bring healing into your life. He wants to bring wholeness into your life. He wants to bring restoration into your life. Let's say this for singles. We've got a lot of young people here who are growing up. If you find a guy that disrespects his mom or a girl who disrespects her dad, is always fighting with her parents, or he's always being rude to his mom or his sisters, like if you're married to him, you're kind of stuck now. But if you're not, you need to run. Seriously. That's one of those warning signs that's ringing. And you need to get away from someone like that. Because they're going to be a thorn in your side. You know, now if you're married to them, you, you need to be praying and asking God to help you. But if you're single and you see someone and that's the way they act, you need to understand that's the way they're going to treat you. That's the way they're going to behave towards you. Now here's what the word says. The word says to honor one another above yourself. If you and I need, are desiring to have healthy, life-giving relationships, how do we do that? We follow what God's word says. You prefer the person before yourself. There's a list of other things that are going to produce healthy, life-giving relationships, and I want to look at them real quick. In verse 11 following, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. How can you have good relationships? You start doing these things. Never be lacking in zeal. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. How can we have good relationships? We rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Verse 17, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in everybody's eyes. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I have a couple questions for you. If there's a family relationship that's estranged, if there's a family relationship, someone who's really important in your life that's estranged, I want you to consider this question. Is it possible that that is affecting you more than what you realize? Is it possible that it has implications that reach beyond just that relationship and reach to other relationships in our lives? One of the things about being a person of integrity is that we don't compartmentalize things. We want to say, well, this is the way I am in church, and this is the way I am at work. This is the way I do the other things at work. A whole person, a person of integrity, lives out their lives truly with integrity all the days. Is it possible? I believe this, to be honest, most people do not realize how much those types of estrangements are affecting their other relationships until they deal with it. When they deal with it, their eyes are open and they see, but a lot of times they can't see it. And what's really cool is whenever God starts opening people's eyes and they start to see, oh my goodness, look what God has done as I've been obedient to him. Before we leave today, I want you to consider this question. What action is God prompting you to take concerning your relationships? What's he asking you to do? What's he impressing upon your heart? I'll share with you what I sense in the spirit concerning those who are estranged. You may say, I don't have a problem. Or you may say, that's just the way it is. I have more immediate relationship problems. I have more immediate issues to deal with. But when you deal with that relationship that's estranged, you'll find that God will begin to work in other relationships of your life as well, and they will improve. You know what the Bible says? It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let the fact that someone rejected you in the past be the thing that controls your relationships now. Don't let the fact that someone abandoned you in the past be the thing that controls and determines your destiny. God never intended for that. You know what we do? We take the things that other people do and we say it says something about us. It says nothing about us. It says about their character. I wish we could learn that. I wish the things that other people, so many times the things that other people do and say and the way that they treat us and the way they act about us, we take that to be some type of commentary on us. It has absolutely nothing to do with us. It has to do with their character and who they are. It's not who I am. So you can mistreat me, you can talk bad about me, and no one, you guys don't do that. But I mean, like you could do whatever you choose to. That's fine. You know what it says about you? It doesn't say anything about me. It's about you. And I could be mean and rude and harsh to you. It wouldn't say anything about you. It would just reveal a lot about me. It would reveal a lot about me. There's an issue of obedience. Don't make something up. Like, don't find somebody. Oh, yeah. Great Aunt Matilda. It's her. That's it. Ah, oh, man. It's great Aunt Matilda. I knew it. That great aunt. And I, she, that's the problem. 
Now, don't make stuff up. The Holy Spirit will be very clear and concise to you. You don't have to dream of something. Holy Spirit's very faithful. He'll say, you're resentful towards so-and-so. Or he'll point it out to you. You'll know it. I don't even have to tell you. You will know. You will know what God is talking about. You'll know it. If, it's, if, we're ta- if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today, you'll know directly what he's saying. And this is what I want to ask you to do. I want you to simply do whatever he tells you to do. You don't have to run to everybody else to ask him. The Holy Spirit will tell you. Maybe you need to tell him. Maybe you need to call him and forgive him. Maybe you need to call him and ask him for forgiveness. Maybe whatever the Holy Spirit, he will tell you what you need to do. But this is what I want to promise you. It's beautiful. It's incredible. That sometimes, whenever we take a step of obedience over here, it may have nothing to do with other areas of our lives that we can see, but bear with me for a second. It's almost like it's a lever. Like God says, I want you to forgive Sam for what he's done to you. Sam didn't even know he did it. And so you've been harboring something against Sam, and you start to forgive Sam, and you know what happens? God sees that, God honors that, and God begins to work on your behalf in areas that are impossible for you to deal with. God begins to give you favor. God begins to work in ways you're just like, oh my goodness. It's incredible how our obedience to God in simple, small things has a way of opening up other doors that we did not even see how they were connected or how they relate to each other, but it happens again and again. So as we close, I just want to pray. And I just want to pray for whoever God's speaking to. I want to pray that God will give you the courage to simply obey him. All I want you to do is just simply obey what he says. And if you do that, what you'll find is that he will work on your behalf. He'll bring wholeness. He'll bring completeness. He'll bring integrity in our lives. Lord Jesus, I just come before you today on behalf of my friends. Lord, we're honest. We come into our relationships. We're broken people. Oh, Lord, there's things that people have said and things that people have done. There's feelings that we carry and thoughts about ourselves and attitudes and expectations that we have of other people. And we ask you, God, that you would take the areas of our lives where there's brokenness. And we ask you, Lord, that you would heal those places. We pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would bring wholeness and completeness into those places of our lives. And God, if I pray if there's just one person today, just one person who's estranged in a really important relationship of their life, maybe someone deserted them, someone rejected them, someone hurt them, I ask today, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom that according to the word of God, that as far as it has to do with them, that they would live in peace. Lord, that relationship may never really be completely restored, but that as far as it has to do with them, they've done their part and they are living in peace. And as a result of that, Lord, I pray that the other parts of our relationships with other people that there would be integrity there, that there would be wholeness, that you would cause us, Lord, as we grow to be like you, that you would cause that to produce. It can't help. It's a natural effect. When we focus our attention to be like you, Lord, 
and to allow you to change our lives, it just dramatically and just naturally, it organically just changes the face of all of our relationships. You make us whole, Lord. So God, I pray for that healing to take place in my friends' lives. And Lord, we'll give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to encourage you to do. You want a better relationship? Seek God with all of your heart and allow him to change you, do his work in you. And what we'll find is that in the midst of that, he'll change those relationships. So Lord bless you.